as here's an idea. Here's an idea. As people, both as adults and teenagers, we have real life problems. Yes, real life problems. Now, I'm sorry. No camera. It can hear you. So, anyways, we have real life problems. Now, is a group project a real life problem? Can they bring out the best in you? The worst in you? Yeah, probably. Now, sometimes, Macy, I don't know if you've thought this. I've thought this when I was in a group project. Like, I really could probably just do this better by myself. Yeah, I do that actually every single time, especially when I do the Europe with MFA Dunaway. That's a little too much information, but that's okay. But teachers, when teachers assign group projects, their main objective is not really for you to get, just get the work done, right? They're trying to get you to play off each other's strengths, uh, talents, what you bring to the table, and also in a group, does maybe Reese's strength overcome my particular weakness? Like if I'm an unmathematical mind, and Reese is a mathematical mind, if we're in a group, that's better, right, than being, being separate, right? So they highlight our group projects, highlight our strengths, our vast differences, and even our weaknesses. So this makes working in groups hard because when someone's like, Gavin, this is your weakness, what do we do? We say, well, this is your weakness, right? We turn around and then we point out all the weaknesses in others. And so... The Bible tells us a little bit of a different story, that our weaknesses should emphasize others' strengths and vice versa. So we are tempted, in the same way we are tempted in the Christian life, to go at it, what? Alone? Right? We're tempted, we're tempted, tempted to go at it alone, but the truth is that God has called us to a very important group project. We're stronger together and even our weaknesses, then we could be alone. Okay, so that's a big idea. Now, the second idea is I want to ask you, who is the greatest sports team of all time? Or, or if, you're, if you're not into sports, who is the greatest musical group of all time? Kanye West. Probably Kanye West. Kanye West. Okay. Andrew Tate. <laughs> Andrew Tate. They are very talented. All right. So the sports teams were '96 Bulls. Other sports teams. Jake. Uh, Seventy-two Dolphins. Seventy-two Dolphins. The Rangers. The 2000, LeBron James. Huh? Whenever Tom Brady was. For forever. Whenever Tom Brady was wherever he was, that was great. Now, what about musical teams? I mean, <laughs> music. Terrible answers. Um, huh? What? The weekend. The weekend is single dude. New kids on the block. Yes, new kids on the block from the eighties. Any other groups? We had a lot for Kanye West. Preston's greatest musical group of all time? The Blue Grape Ride. The Blue Grape Ride. All right. 
Yeah, that's, that's the best sports team alive. Okay. So now that you've given me a thousand different answers, what makes these teams, pay attention, what makes these teams or these musical groups great? What makes them great? They're the best. So, practice, well, together. working together, practice. They're bonds. They're new kids. The connection. Their Disney World mandatory bonding trip. Anything else? The feds? The fans? Mentality? Mamba mentality? They're rich? Okay, all right. Fair enough. Let's take another, let's take another idea. What, um, has there ever been a time when someone's helped you out without you asking for it? Has someone ever helped you out without you asking for their help? Yes. Has someone helped you and you were like, thank you? So what, what was this experience like for you when someone does helps you without asking you for it? Wow. Nice. David, what do you think the answer is to that question? Exactly. You know. You're not paying attention. What would you say the answer is to that question? The world would never know. You should have been paying attention. Yeah, you should have. It's not time to hang out. Time to listen. So I said, has someone ever helped you out without asking? No. That's not true. Maddox, has anyone ever helped you out without asking? Yes. Yes. Has anyone ever helped you out without you asking? for? Me. All right, so y'all are terrible, but that's okay. All right. All right, I'm going to open up in prayer so that maybe we can overcome this chaos. So let's, that's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the energy that the young people bring uh, to church. I pray that we can funnel it into focusing about what your word says. Uh, please help me to speak truthfully uh, and boldly. In your name we pray. Amen. So tonight we are talking about one body and one purpose from Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. We're going right from where we left off last week. And, um, and we will define what one body, one purpose means very soon. As always, I want you to answer these very important questions for me. So let's go with... Maddox, what does the gospel mean? You can do it. The good news. Well done. He said good news. No, he said good news. Good job, man. All right, so what is the good news? What is the good news, Jack? Okay, and Griffin, why did he have? Why did he die for your sins and my sins and everyone's sins? There's a different answer. What? Well done, Emma. Last question, hardest one. What is grace, Jake? It's not wrong, but not right. What did you say? God's undeserved love for sinners. Yes, God's undeserved love for sinners. 
What? God's love for undeserving sinners. I didn't mean to say our if I did. Okay, David. What are the two? What are the two reasons Paul wrote this letter? What was the question? What are two reasons Paul wrote this letter? I gave you a hint right here. For the church at the church and oh, shush. The bond. Where is No. They want them to have a new, uh, new, new. Oh my goodness. Pink. New relationship is a new relationship. No, not really. Good news. I'm not personal. Goodness. I don't remember. So he wanted to remind the church at Ephesus the power of the gospel, and to encourage believers and to live in the light, lightning light, light of their new identity. All right, Bubba, who was the original audience of this church letter? Okay. Macy, where was Paul? Not necessarily jail, but house arrest. So every week we've said he was in prison, but it's actually more accurate to say he was in house arrest for this particular time. Now, why was he in, in, under house arrest? For spreading the gospel. Very good. Okay. So, the love of Christ, as we talked about last week, the love of Christ is beyond what? Well done. And while we will never know all of God, uh, never know the vast way, remember the breadth, the height, the depth, uh, and the length of His love, God has given us um, the gift to know it in deeper ways. So we will grow in the love of Christ in two ways. We talked about it last week when we talked about puppies. We talked about it's one thing to know God through knowledge, and then it's another thing altogether to know Him through experience. Yes, relationship, experience. Very good. So we should always pray to God to help us with both, to help me know you more and to help me experience you more. And so then we said that, well, the love of God is, the love of Christ is beyond measure, and the power of God is what? Beyond? Compare? Imagination. Imagination. And so we're supposed to boldly approach God with our prayer request, yet we should always remember that God can do far more than we can even ask. So we do pray specifically and expectantly, but not demandingly, right? We, we're not in the position to tell God what to do, are we, David? We're not. We ask Him. We, we boldly ask Him. Now, when you think, what does it mean to enter the presence of God boldly? What do you think that means? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we, what does that mean? So, it means to when you're like talking to God, or when you're talking to God, he, it's not like Him like fully like being like in front of you, but like you can, when you're talking to Him, you feel like that power. And that you know that like God's there, like listening to you. Like, okay, not a bad answer. Let's think about babies. All right, who's held a baby recently? All right. Now, Jack, did the baby did the baby did the baby touch your face? Did it try to touch you in any way? Okay. So sorry, Jack. So so Macy, the baby will reach out and try to grab your hair to touch you. And it's, it's doing that because it, it feels what with you? Safe. So would you say that it's kind of reaching out boldly? Like it's not afraid of you that you're going to like slap its hand out of the way or else it wouldn't reach out to you. 
So when we reach out to God boldly, it's kind of the same thing. We know we're safe in His arms. We know that He's going to take care of us. And so we're kind of just, hey, hair, you know, things like that. So what we will learn today, I hope, by you paying attention, is we will focus on the church. So as the church, both this First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs and the church of all believers in Christ, we unite under one faith in God. Uh, We unite under one God and one faith. We equip the saints by seeking maturity, something all of you need to work on. And then we build one another up in love through our gifts. Okay? Excellent. Now, I'm going to read... Uh, this text. Uh, if someone could a turn, I brought a different translation this week, Gavin, so it would be the same, but it's not going to have the same page. But we're Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. So remember, it's going to be towards the back of your Bible. What pa- 500? Page 568. Uh, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read them all. 568, 4, 1 through 16. Everyone there? David? Well, then look on with him. Is everybody there? Okay, what does this say? Okay, so when I read, realize that I'm not just reading words on a page, but that God has spoken to you. The God that created you, the very God of the universe that webbed everything together, has written something to you. So it's not just me, but respect what God has to say. Okay, here we go. Verses 4, 1 through 16. The the caption of the passage is what? Unity in, in the body of Christ. So this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
Okay, so there's a lot going on there, and we're going to we'll kind of work through it, and we're going to work through it together. So what does this particular text say? That's what we want to ask each week. We're going to read our, our Bibles, our Scripture passage. We want to say, what does this text say? Then we want to ask, why is this text important? And then we want to close by saying, how do we, you as individuals and as a group, how do we respond to this text? So, according to the first and the second verses, Paul is urging believers to walk in a certain way. What is that way? It's very early on in verses 1 and 2. He's saying, I urge you to walk Yes. So he's saying, I need you to walk worthily. Okay? Uh, I need you to have humility. I need you to have gentleness. I need you to have patience. And I need you to bear with one another in love. So what does that mean? Let's bear with one another in love. What does it mean to bear with somebody? Like you ever heard someone like, bear with me one second? What does that mean? Hmm? Huh? What? Listen, bear with them. Yeah, I think it's to, to be beside that person with whatever they're going to bear. You ever heard something like, oh, I have a burden. It's too tough to bear, right? And so that idea is that I have something on my shoulders and I'm bear- You ever seen like an ox carry a, 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 like a load? It goes across its shoulders and it's a burden to bear that. And so when I bear with someone, I'm shouldering what they're shouldering, if that makes sense. So we, Paul is saying, I need you to walk worthy in a manner. I need you to satisfyingly order your steps so that you are living up to God's standard. You know, one, one person told me that um, our lives, once we surrender our lives to Christ and, and we realize the greatness that He's done for us, our whole life is just a P.S. So what, is that, what do you think that means? What does a P.S. after you write a letter? It literally stands for it stands for postscript, but what do you think people what do people usually say in a PS? Like you know, well I guess you guys I guess you guys don't write a lot of letters. That's kind of a dying thing, but a, a, an afterthought. Like you wrote Macy, you know, congratulations on this and this and this. Regards Cole PS, I hope you have a great day. So, what this person is telling me, like if we're going to walk worthy, it's the PS to what God has done in our lives. Meaning that all He's already done everything that He could do to save us. And we can't do anything to earn it. So I respond by saying, PS, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my days. And so I want to ask you a question in verse 6. It's a numbers question. And I want you to count how many ones, like uh, O-N-E-S, can you find in verses four through six? Seven? Well, okay, read them. Read them to me. They're all. Um, one body. Yep. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One God. Yeah, well done. Well done. And so God is asking, Paul is telling us in this text that we should walk in a manner that's worthy to God. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to grow up and be mature, be spiritually mature, walk in a manner that's worthy, right? Because we don't always do that. Do you do as you should do all the time? No, you don't. And that's called sin, and I do the same thing. 
Paul, uh, you know, ch- uh, chiefly in the New Testament said, I, I, I do what I don't want to do and I, and I don't do what I want to do. In other words, he's like, I, I struggle to live in this life and do what is right. So how are we to grow up? It's, it talks about it in verse 15. What does it say? It's okay. Bless you. One more time, Emma. To grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. Okay, absolutely. So we're supposed to grow up into the head of Him who is Christ. But what does it say at the very beginning of that verse? Yes. So we grow up in the Lord by speaking sincerely. So first, we step satisfyingly to God's standard. That's how we walk. And then we speak sincerely. Now, how do you speak in truth and love? Think about that for a second. What does it mean to speak in truth and love? Be honest. Your honest opinion. Okay, so I think it is that. Certainly, that's the base level, but I think it's even more than that. Um, Now, the Bible warns against people who talk about peace and say it's peaceful when there is no peace. So in our day and age, do we always agree with everyone? No, no. no we don't. We, we, in fact, we hardly agree with anybody on a massive scale. And so if someone confronts Griffin and he says um, he's confronted with an option that's very clearly against the teachings of the Bible, how do you speak truth and love into that situation? Right, you would say, you know, if you want to make it an equation, like you've offered me X, uh, I reject that on Y, and here's Z. This is the answer. And so you can do that in a manner that's truthful and love, loving. Now, it wouldn't be, and it's honest, wouldn't be truth and love if you just said, like, if you just rejected it, but you didn't really do the difficult part of saying why you rejected it. So what Paul is saying is, like, for you to grow up and to be like the whole body of Christ you have to speak truth and love. You have to live in a manner that's both consistent and um, in line with the teaching of the Bible. And in this day and age, that may be a little bit harder than for kids a hundred years ago. Because now, it's harder for you to have peace with everybody. Because there's so many countercultural options to what the Bible says is true. And a lot of your friends probably choose those options over the Bible. And so for you to speak sincerely, you can't just say, you know, you go do what you do. You believe what you want to believe. You say, actually, there is one truth. There is one way to heaven. There is one God and one faith. And I'm going to speak that truthfully and in love. So if we walk in a manner that's worthy and we speak honestly, how do we then grow? Like what makes us grow as a church? So that's in verse 16, all right? He ends that passage with what makes us grow as a church. What do you think that is, Reese? Verse 16. Yes, but there's a specific phrase in there that I really like. He says from... 
Working properly, right. Working properly. Striving significance, like striving in a significant manner in proper unity. Now, think about elevator rides. Who loves riding on the elevator when it's packed? Why is it scary? Okay, you feel like you're going to get stuck? Yes? Some people get claustrophobic. It's fun to be weird whenever it's packed. Some, it's fun to be weird whenever it's packed. Now think about this. What's normal on an elevator ride? All right, you, one, two, three, four, get up with me, and we're going to interact what it's like. We're going to act what it's like to get on an elevator ride. All right, that's the elevator. We're all out here. Where? The elevator's on that side of the red line. We're right here. So come over here. We're not in the elevator yet. All right, so someone's got to press it. I don't know any of these people. They don't know me. Don't look at me. I don't know you. It opens up. What do people do? How big is the square? They do this, right? They get in and they stand like this. Why? I feel like everybody on the edge. If I was like, hey, man. Thank you. Well done. So, so people get in an elevator and for whatever reason, they avoid contact. They avoid communication. They just want to get out of there, okay? Now, is that how the church works? Is that how people act in church? They come in on Sundays and they don't speak to anybody. Sometimes that's what people do. But do you think that would be, sit down, what are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> but do you think that's what it means to work properly? Like if we get into a space together, we don't speak, we don't, y'all pay attention, please. Um, is that unity, Okay. No, it's not. It's not what, what Paul is talking about then when each part of the church body is working together, being joined together by every joint, um, working together for the glory of God. So Paul is telling us in this text, what it is saying is that we should walk in a manner that's worthy, we should speak in a manner that's honest, and we should work together properly. So now that we know what it says, why is that important to us? So, I need your participation here, but what do you think is the significance of Paul's repetition, which Jack pointed out, and the emphasis on oneness before calling the church to grow in maturity? So, so... Why is Paul emphasizing, as you see at the bottom of this pyramid, why is he emphasizing a oneness? Because there might be some believers that believe there's multiple gods, and he's trying to one. No, not necessarily. Although that's, that's important to know, Jack. That's very important to know. But that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily um, what he's talking about. I didn't, what'd you say? Well, not, also not right, but not wrong, still important. Yes, exactly. So read, think that thought in light of verse 16, Macy. So read verse 16 again and then re answer your question. (laughs) 
Or is that the wrong part? The whole thing. Oh, I gotta read the whole thing. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. So he is emphasizing this oneness so that the church will work properly together. <laughs> properly together. And so he's saying, Paul is emphasizing that the unity of the church is important because of what Macy just read in 16, if the church is not first having a unity, a oneness, then it will not work properly for the growth of its people. So I don't know how many of you have been members of other churches um, than just this church. I have. Um, and I'll tell you what, this is, this is one of the most peaceful churches I've ever been a part of as far as we don't have people that are bickering, that are gossiping, that are against each other. But I've been in churches where people verbally fight. They say things they should never say about each other inside a church, outside of the church. They split off because they can't stand each other. And so what Paul is saying, if you don't have oneness, then you're not going to grow because you're not unified. So that's incredibly important. And that's why this text is important. So the second question is, what do you think is the benefit or reason for God giving so many gifts to the church. So if you look at verses 11 onward, which I'll read, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith. So he's, he, he highlights five gifts to the church. Why? What's the reason God is giving us five different gifts to build up the church? It's the second part of my pyramid here. Uh, to benefit of difference. The benefit of difference, right? So if I took Gavin, Emma, Macy, Simon, and Andrew, one, two, three, four, five, and I said, you know, let's work on growing as a church, would you all have the same answer? Would you all have the same talent? Would you all have the same strength, the same weaknesses? No. And so God is being gracious to us to the point that He's giving church, the church five, this just a, a bounty of gifts so that we can build up and be equipped as the church. And so by calling us to maturity and as the body of Christ, the church is going to and needs to consist of many different members. And so... And if it's going to have many different members, it's going to be equipped by different gifts. And so we understand that we have a benefit of difference when we all come together in unity because we know that we're not all the same. We're not all made the same. We're not all created the same. Maddox is not the same as me. Griffin is not the same as me. Parks is not the same as me. And that's good. God made it that way and for our benefit as a church. Now, Another question that I want to ask is, is um, he talks about in this particular passage, he says something that's interested, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. He, he says all of these things, why he gives us gifts, so that we can grow and be mature. But then he says, because, right? He makes this passage, he makes this statement, and then he says, this is why I want it to happen. He says, so that we may no longer be children. Gavin, chill. We may no longer be children tossed to and fro 
by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Hold on. So, why do you think it's important for you as young Christians, um, or sorry, sorry, why do you think it's easy for you as young Christians to to get tossed about or carried away? Now, when it, when it talks about tossed about to and fro by the waves, it doesn't mean that you're literally out there on front beach getting tossed around, right? It means spiritually speaking, you're immature as a Christian and everything rattles you to your core. And so you get tossed around. You have Your faith is very little. It's very weak. And so why is he saying that's easy for you? Why do you think it's easy as a young person? Because we have a lot of outside influences. A ton of outside influences. More, more now than ever. Okay, that's harder. I believe that. What are you going to say, bub? Less knowledge of the Bible. It's less widely spoken, so you're not hearing it as much. I mean, uh, from a human standpoint, you're still growing both inside and out. Um, and, and, but we, we, hear, we sang a song, and I think the kids sang it yesterday in EEC, about the man who built his house upon a rock. Oh, I remember that song. The, do you remember how it goes? Because when the waters come and the flood and the flood waters rise, exactly. So, as a young believer, as a young person, you have not had as much time to build a strong foundation in your life and to stand strong against the winds and waves of culture. And so, that's why coming to youth and coming to church on Sunday and being involved. In, in daily time with the Word is so important so that you can be built up in love, um, so that you can be vital to the church. Now, last question on why um, this text is, is important is what or why do you think it matters? We talked about what it means to speak in truth and love. Why do you think it matters to speak in truth and love? Kevin? People will reflect on how you act. People will ponder why does Bubba act the way he does? It helps you to disciple others. Helps you to disciple others? Anyone else? What about in the beginning when we talked about knowledge and experience? Being a part of the church is not just about what we learn, but also about what we do and experience here. And so we know that if we're going to be built up in love, love is not something, if we, if we go back to the wonderful puppies illustration, it's one thing to see one and to know that you love it because it's so cute, but then it's also something that you need to experience. And so when we speak in truth and love, we need to build up the church in, in, in maturity because the truth is vital. And then we protect each other from the waves and the winds and the crashing influence of culture by the love of being together. Does that make sense? So we speak in truth and love for the sake of the church, for building one another up in the church. Now, I need four volunteers. Jack, Parks, Andrew, Emma. Okay. What are we doing? Two... Right here, and two, two facing me and two facing the crowd. 
We're having, having trouble with <laughs> There we go. There we go. All right. So put out your index fingers. Both of them. All right. Now, David, come here. Now, your index fingers have to touch. Now, they have to be staggered. I'm sorry. So they have to be staggered. Perfect. All right. Now, your index fingers have to touch the rod at all times. Now, David, David is going to get you, and David is going to lower his hands at whatever speed David decides. But once he lowers them, he cannot raise them above that anymore. And what we're trying to do is get to the ground in two minutes to get it to touch the ground. So hold on. Now remember, it has to touch at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, like this, like this. Sorry, you're, you're confused. Now you have to get it to the. No, I saw you like this, but you guys have to follow. So you guys have to follow my speed and get down to the ground. Well, you're down to one minute forty. Oh, what? So you got to. It has to touch at all times. You have to start over. All times. Oh, you gotta start over. Alright, well. You gotta touch at all times. Flip your fingers up. There you go. Everybody squat at the same time. Yeah, Alright, we're, we're, we're trying to get to the ground, by the way. Y'all are just not moving at all. I know, squat, y'all. Follow, squat. Okay, you'll go down. You have to go down, dog. You're like doing this. You guys lower your body. Now. Okay, go on. Three, two, one, go. Jack, go down. You're not going down. It was. Go down. 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 No, because it's like, it gets kept up over here. Okay, Emma, 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 Emma and Jack lower the Start it down here. Yeah. We're going down so well. Pretty much you're all six. Just count. We're just starting scrolling all at once. Three, two, one, go. Go. Parks, squat. Parks, squat. Parks, squat. It came on bench stands. Yeah, it's about 20 seconds left. All right. All right, give me four more. Jake. Jake, Elizabeth, Maddox, Bubba. Jake, Elizabeth, Maddox. You're, I'm sorry, you're going to do the same thing. All right. It's a stick. All right, stagger your index fingers. And it has to touch like this. Like this. So... So like that, like, like this. Okay. Yes. Oh God. Is that me? Hey. Okay. 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 You still? Why are we Keep rising? Up. Okay. Keep oh, that. Go down. Thank you, Reese. All right. Finger, okay. Everyone, pop your fingers up like this. No, like this. Oh, it has to be flat. Like this, oh. like a. <laughs> okay. Why are you rising? All right. Try to bring. Let's put it back now. Yeah. Start. All right. Now try to get to the ground. What? <laughs> what? The world. All right. What are we supposed to do? Get to the ground. Keep rising. <laughs> 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 All right. You can sit down. That was awesome. Okay. So. 
the object was what? To work in harmony, okay? And you couldn't do it, and it's quite difficult. So, in the same way, when we're church members and we're a youth group, if we don't work in harmony, it's as difficult to watch and to experience as it was when you guys were just trying to lower a stick that weighs, I don't know, a few ounces, and you can't get, I mean, even half past a squat in your knees without someone not doing what the other person wants to do. And so working in unison becomes incredibly important. So how do we respond to what Paul has said? And then we will be done. Now, consider your peers in this room or even your classmates or your uh, friends outside of school. What are some of the gifts that you believe God has given them? Just kind of shout them out. My family. My phone? No. Gifts. Like spiritual gifts. Like something that you're talented at. What has God given you that you're a talent at? Sports. Athleticism. Smartness. Sound mind. A good body. Athleticism. Intellectual. Hand-eye coordination. What else? What about some more uh, inherent, in, in, un, invisible but good traits and talents? Kindness. Kindness. Good job, Simon. Patience. Patience. Humor. Humor. Humor's important. Honesty. Okay. Now, taking those ideas that you just said, in what ways do you see your friends using those gifts to serve a local church? What do you think, Presley? <laughs> so in, in what ways do you see your peers using their gifts to serve the church? If they are, if they are athletic, how might they serve the church? What were, what were you going to say? So you had, you had the, the, you had patience and good work ethic, and you used that to serve the local church it, by helping me with a big project. Mr. Uh, when we, uh, Mr. Don gets that whole bunch of group of guys, and we help clean the lawn and oh, yeah. blow it down. Yep. Helping with VBS. Is that what you were going to say, Presley? Good job. Oh, wait. Okay. Go ahead. Use the gift of prayer? Yeah, okay. So, in what way does this passage, and I hope it has a little bit tonight, challenge the way you view church or Christian community? Think about the game, the little stick, being in the elevator. How does that challenge your idea of what a group should be like? Absolutely, Emma. You should work together to grow together, both individually and, and as a group, and that we should, we should help each other along. It shouldn't be a thing where we get in and we go at this life alone, that we just get on this little elevator ride called life, and then we try to get out as soon as we can without ever interacting with others. So very good. Very good. And like Griffin is saying, one way that we, 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 we practice that is we pray before baseball games. We pray. We, we serve Gavin comes and he serves and he helps us do things or we volunteer in VBS. And so it's very practical to serve one another 
and your gifts. And, and even studying Scripture together. That would be something that I would encourage some of you to do this summer is just get together and read a passage of the Bible and talk about it. Now, Paul talked a lot about pursuing growth in this passage. What are some ways that you can pursue growth this week that lead to maturity? Now, in the sense of maturity, Simon, I don't mean just that you act your age, right? I mean spiritual maturity. Like, how do you become more spiritually mature? Um, What are some of the ways that you can do that? Anybody can answer that question. What about verses 11 and 12? So you can... Am I perfect? No. Do I have all the answers? No. But you can listen to me, right? So I've been... God has given me this job so that I can teach you, so that I can lead you, so that I can help you. And so that's one way that you can pursue growth is by coming to youth and listening intently, right? What about Sunday? Listening to Dr. Mike? Yeah, listening to, to uh, Mr. Andy, Ms. Terry, or Mr. Stephen. People that are also further along in their relationships with Christ than you. And so it has a lot to do with being involved in church and other believers. Because again, Emma, we don't want to do this life alone. Exactly. Right. Well done. Well done. So... All I want you to do, if you don't remember anything else, is that as a church, I want you to remember we are united under one God in one faith, and we equip the saints by seeking maturity and build up one another in love through our gifts. And because what Christ has done for us, God has united a diverse church under one faith. Diversity in the sense, not what culture means by diversity, but what it means in the fact that none of us are the same. That's good. It's good that God has built His church that way. And so as a church, as a diverse group of believers, God has called us to grow in maturity as we seek to build one another up in love. 